Judgment is public enemy number one. Judging ourselves, judging others. And so the way we get stuck is it's really an outside-in approach to life, right? Something happens and we judge it. We call it bad, good. We label it and we go to this shouldn't be happening. And we play the victim card, which people get offended when I use that word, but really victim is just my outside world dictates my responses and my blaming the outside for my failure, lack, whatever. And outside in just doesn't work. And so if you're constantly taking your cues and your outside world is dictating your thinking, then you're going to be in this state of resistance. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. Chris, welcome back to the show. Matt, great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to treat this interview a little bit different because we've already had you on the show and our listeners can roll back and listen to the first one we did. But the reason why we had you as our first repeat guest is because you're coming out with a new book by the time this launches called Think and Grow You. And I was super interested when I was reading through the manuscript on having you back on and talking through some of those. So I guess let's just start off like, why'd you decide to write the book? And then we'll jump into some of the questions I got. Yeah, man. Great to be back. I've been an entrepreneur for 23 years, and I don't know if you've ever felt stuck. Have you ever felt stuck before? All the time. (laughs) Exactly. So I know what it's like to be stuck, to live in fear, worry. I also know what it feels like when you're doing like everything possible and nothing (laughs) changes, right? It's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, right? And I was really stuck. I think we talked about it a little bit last time, but it's I've coached a lot of people on how to get unstuck. And it's real painful to watch people get so stuck that they think that quitting is the only way to go. And it feels good temporarily, but then they kind of kick the can down the road and they feel regret. And that's one of my biggest fears is ending my life with regret and getting to the end of my life. And so, and I was so close to giving up. And I was so close to quitting, but I made a choice to go all in on my personal growth and development and grow me because I was the common denominator to all my issues. And so the reason I wrote the book is I invested six figures plus in personal growth and development. I mean, I've spent thousands of hours studying this topic of how we get stuck and how we get unstuck. So my prayer was, hey, I'll write it and people can get results in a shorter period of time with much less investment and make an impact for them because that's what I want to do, man. I want to make a big impact for as many people before I depart the planet, hopefully in several decades from now. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, spending over six figures on personal development. I mean, it's a concept that might shock some people in terms of the amount of dollar figures there, but overall, the best investment you can make is in yourself. And I would have begged to say that every dollar I've spent in personal development has not been wasted. Some have been more successful than others, but they haven't been wasted. So I'm glad that you're kind of sharing that knowledge that you spent over the course of a couple of decades here. Yeah. The returns are astronomical and yeah, it is the best investment you can make, no doubt. So let's start with this idea of being stuck. I mean, we've gone through a number of years here where it seems to be very choppy. 
ups and downs. And a lot of people are finding themselves in different roles or out of work or in a different place in their life than they thought they would be. How do people get stuck? Like, what are the keys to being stuck? And then how do we become unstuck? I mentioned the book, Positive Intelligence in my book. Shirzad Shamin wrote the book, unbelievable book, but he says, judgment is public enemy number one, judging ourselves, judging others. And so the way we get stuck is it's really an outside in approach to life, right? Something happens and we judge it. We call it bad, good. We label it and we go to this shouldn't be happening. And we play the victim card, which people get offended when I use that word, but really victim is just my outside world dictates my responses and my blaming the outside for my failure, lack, whatever. And outside in just doesn't work. And so if you're constantly taking your cues and your outside world is dictating your thinking, then you're going to be in this state of resistance and resistance is what is shouldn't be happening. Right. And we're coming out of multiple years of pandemic where it was, this shouldn't be happening. And I got impacted, and there's nasty things that came out of that. But our business grew, and we had multiple record years on top of each other, not because we're better, not because we're smarter or whatever. It's just me and a leader of a group of people. Like, yeah, it stunk. I didn't like it. It came down. But the quicker I could get to this is what it is, the more I could create from that platform. And the example I give always and in the book is we get a flat tire and where do we go? (laughs) Why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. Who didn't fix that pothole? Like We go in there and, and meanwhile, the flat tire is sitting there not caring. And so I always ask myself like, How long do I have to put myself through the mental gymnastics to get to the point where I'm like, I have a flat tire, (laughs) right? And just accepting that I have a flat tire. And I had a great coach for many years. I referenced him in the book multiple times where he said, dude, you don't need to love it, but you need to stop hating it. And that was a little bit of our reaction to the pandemic from a business standpoint. And we were able to pivot because we just said, okay, this is what it is. I don't like it but I'm not going to hate it. And I'm not going to sit here with my head in the sand going, this shouldn't be happening. And so once you get clearer, ah, I got a flat tire. Then the only two relevant questions are, what do I want? I want to be back on the road. Okay. What's the next thing I need to do? Get the jack. So the way you get out of stuck is you get out of resistance. You get out of this should not be happening and you accept that it is And it's only from that platform of acceptance that you can start making new choices, which leads to new actions, which leads to different results. Are you a stoic? Do you follow stoicism at all or anything like that? I don't know what happened to my Ryan Holiday emails. I'm a big Ryan Holiday fan. I need to go back in there and see what happened. My son's 21. He's a total stud. He got me into his emails, but I think the email I sent out today had a Socrates quote in there. So anyway... Yeah. The only reason I ask that is because in my part of my morning routine is to listen to some affirmations where I go through some stretching and those affirmations here for the past, I don't know, two or three weeks have been more on the stoicism mindset. And a lot of them, if that's a new word for a listener out there, a lot of stoicism is essentially you can't change what happened in that situation. You can only change your reaction to it. 
And from what I'm kind of hearing, resistance comes from putting a label on something that happens rather than saying, what do I want and how do I, what's the next step? Yeah. Cause there's usually a blessing behind it. And it's actually a chapter in my book. It's like, don't label it good or bad. And I talk about what happened to me in my business that appeared from the surface. And my wife spent plenty of time telling me it was bad. And I was broke and stuck because I constantly did that. And it was shown to me and because of the growth and development and what I needed to do, I just told myself, you need to do something different. And so I got to acceptance on a really bad business situation. I got to it really quick within hours and then took action from a different platform. And what came out of that was a incredible blessing to my family and then the family that uh, came to us as a result of that. So very powerful not to judge. Yeah. Well, in the book, you have five different pillars and then underneath each pillar, you have sub pillars. We'll just call them up to 10 to seven of each different pillar. I went and picked out a couple that I wanted to go over with you, but the first pillar that you have is get out of your own way. And one of your sub pillars was ego. And speaking of Ryan Holiday, he wrote the book, Ego is Your Enemy. So I'm always interested in learning how our conscious but more importantly, our subconscious ego gets in the way of us making good decisions. So talk to us a little bit about ego and how it gets in our own way. Yeah, no, I love Ego is Your Enemy. That's a phenomenal book. It, that book was given to me by a leader when I was trapped in that. It is a phenomenal book. I think a lot of people say ego is good, ego is bad. Once again, labeling ego, you do need it. I'm in Colorado driving down I-25. It's good that my ego is aware that when the semi's coming over into my lane, it's going to wake me up, right? But egos, you know, it's out chasing the saber-toothed tigers and survival, and it's there to keep you comfortable and to keep you stuck and to keep you exactly where you are. And one of my favorite quotes, and I actually start the book with it from Jeff Shore, is a life spent seeking comfort results in an entirely uncomfortable existence. And we saw it in the pandemic. I mean, the people that got hurt the worst were addicted to being comfortable. And so ego wants you to stay in that. And the problem is you get used to dysfunctionality. That's where I was. Great recession, 2000. Well, for a big chunk of my life, I didn't know it until I started working on myself. But we were $250,000 in credit card debt. My wife stressed out and my business isn't growing. And I started, Matt, getting used to losing. I started getting comfortable with it. And my ego was like, yeah, it's not your fault. It's your ex-wife. It's the economy. It's your team. It's your, the, yeah, it can't be you, man. No, can't be you. And then finally, when my back was up against the wall, I had to wake up. And I had to realize that I created the whole problem. And part of the stuff that I talk about is I had to humble down and look at my actual results and know that ego was not my amigo. And when I connected the price that my family was paying for me staying comfortable, me paying attention to my ego, me staying in that world, man, it was devastating, Matt. And I was staring down divorce number two and not seeing my kids and bankruptcy and getting rid of my business and holy crap. So I had to become super aware of how I was getting in my own way. And one of it was just quieting 
and not paying attention to my ego. It's forever project. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm a hell of a lot better than I was many years ago. I think ego is not my amigo might be the quote of 2023 that I've heard so far. Be a hard one to top. I stole it, but sure. It's somebody said it, but uh, yeah, 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 I stole it. <laughs> well, and what I'm hearing from that conversation around being humble and not allowing your ego to get in the way is finding pockets of your life where you can go learn a new skill or be uncomfortable or something like that. We started in our family learning Spanish this year, and I know enough Spanish to sound really impressive to somebody that doesn't speak Spanish. But what I've learned living in Florida is I don't know Spanish at all. So we're trying to take that on as a task to go learn. And that kind of humbles you and helps you understand some of the things that you might be good at, I guess. So is that kind of a good place to start as something that you don't know and go learn that? I think that helps. I mean, I think doing new things and I think that's all really important, but I also think it's really important to sit down. I actually made a post this morning on my weekly email called, thank God it's Monday And I call it the ultimate focusing question. And it is, what am I thinking and what must this be creating? And I think one of the first steps of getting unstuck is to actually, for me, and in my book, I give numerous journaling exercises where it's like, okay, me plus a thought equals a result. So if I don't like the result, then there's me and then there's my thinking. And so the first thing I always do is like, like I was stuck with money. So one of the things I had to do is actually sit down and go, okay, here's this word money. What do I make up about the word? So if you don't have a result in your life, whether it's money or health relationships or whatever, if you don't like the results to change the results, you got to change the thinking. And so I had to go through a process of inventorying All my money head trash. Money's hard to make. Money's hard to keep. When's the shoe going to drop? Rich people suck. You can't, uh, rich people make money on the backs of poor people. So when I inventoried all that, man, I was like, well, of course I'm broke because my stories are horrible. And of course I'm stuck because of where my focus is. So then the work was, well, what's the empowering story I want to have? And then I had to start creating focus on that. So stuck is always created by a reaction to something you don't like. And then it's the repetition of the thought that keeps you stuck. And so new thinking, new results. Yeah. I think that's one thing everybody can do from listening to this episode is really go journal what your relationship is with money and what are the words you associate with money? Because what I've found is when I have that conversation with folks, it's usually some sort of inherited knowledge that they've transferred over their childhood into their adulthood. Rich people suck. Somebody else has to do the money. I'm not good with money. Those sorts of things that are ultimately your limiting belief. By the time we're 18, we're like 100% programmed in our lives. People are good. People are bad. Money's good. Money's bad. Whatever it is, studies have shown the ultra wealthy, they had the same limiting beliefs handed to them. But at some point of their lives, they actually sat down. For me, it was I'm 51. I was 37. And I was like, what's creating this? Right? Why does this keep creating broke? Well, I should probably inventory it and begin to question it. And of course, it was just unconscious crap I 
borrowed from my parents who borrowed from their parents. I mean, like literally, Matt, generations of unchecked stories. And then I took a time out and questioned the validation of them and then did the work to change. And now my 21-year-old, 18-year-old, I mean, they have none of that. Right. Setting, they have none of that Setting program. the future of generations ahead. Yeah. Too. And they're way better than me. Just <laughs> And I think what we're talking about right now is this concept that you're calling the shift. And in the shift, I noticed you had this concept called the what if. What is Talk to us about what is the what if. So basically, I realized that I created broke. I created the mess. I created the disaster, got to acceptance, but I knew I had to change. And that's kind of the theme of my book. I hope it flows all the way through there is you definitely need to humble down a little bit. You got to be willing to change. But you got to do the work, but you need to understand that it's worth it to do the work. That's kind of my message throughout the book. And I use that with lots of stories. But basically, I'm like, all right, I need new answers because I hired a coach for years and he said, okay, based on results, how's your way working? Freaking hated that question, right? <laughs> like, But that's right. He was a mirror for me. He's like, okay, based on results, how's your way working? So I'm like, okay, I got to start thinking different, doing different. And so I hired another coach just for a couple sessions. He was a mindset guru, good friend of mine. I paid him $375 that I didn't have. And we do like this hour and a half, two hour session. And he's like, what's the goal? I'm like, I need to double my income or my wife's leaving me because she doesn't want to live with a broke dude anymore. She's done. And so we got to get rid of all this debt. And the only way I can get back to financial break even, it was a decent six-figure income before, but I'm like, I got to double it. So he would ask me questions and then he would like do this Yoda thing. Like he'd close his eyes and breathe deep. And I'm sitting there, Matt, I call myself a recovered CPA, right? I'm like, what is this crap, right? And I'm looking for the strategy. I'm looking for the how-tos. I'm looking for, right? We're programmed that way, right? Especially guys, I got to fix this thing. I just got to work harder, do this. And we end the two hours, already paid him. And he's like, okay, so what's the amount you need to make again? I'm like, well, it's this amount. He's like, all right. So just say, what if you make that amount? Like hundreds, if not thousands of times a day, just go around. What if I do this? What if I make this? What if I make this? What if I'm financially independent? What if my net worth is this? What if, dude, I was shocked. I'm like, what? You're a freaking fraud. I just paid you 375 bucks that I didn't have. And that's what you came up with. He's like, how's your way working? And he's like, it's so simple. You probably won't even do it because you're looking for some complexity. And that's why you're broke. All right, man, I'm in. What else? So it was, what if I cash flow this? And he explained it. Your subconscious mind can't fight a what if statement, right? So if I say I'm a billionaire, my subconscious is like, no, you're not. But if I say, what if I am? or whatever it is, it can't. He's like, you say it over and over again. And then what happens is your subconscious is so powerful, but ideas have to be consistently and repetitively handed over to it through statements with emotion and feeling, through images and visualization of a feeling. And then eventually that door will open and your subconscious will accept the idea as true. And then watch out. And I talk a lot about it in the book. Then watch out. You're aligned. It's called an internal mastermind. Your conscious, your subconscious agree. He's like, so eventually your subconscious will accept it and then it will happen. 
And so that's what I did. And I would if all the time. And then there's a great story in the chapter called Be a Spark, where I taught somebody the concept and his life was a mess and his wife was going to leave him. And we were pretty similar situation. And he started what ifing and he five times his income and he saved his marriage. And it's crazy. I see him. He shares a story in the book. I just saw him Monday. He did some training for my guys and he's like, oh, dude, you saved his life with a what if concept. Crazy. Yeah. And I know that sounds kind of fluffy for a retired CPA, or I work with a lot of engineers who might be engineers in more analytical moments, but I do absolutely believe that the world is a mirror and what you're seeing in the world is what your conscious subconscious is stating to you and that you find what you're looking for. And I think that's where a lot of people miss in life is that they don't know what they're looking for. So the world dictates what they should be looking for. Whereas if you know what you're looking for, you're more likely to see that, such as the red Jeep that you just bought. Now everybody's driving a red Jeep sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and once again, like these concepts, I mean, the stuff I teach in the book, and it's basically, it's me throwing myself under the bus, the whole book of like, this is what I was taught. And we were taught left brain concepts, intellect wins the day and smartest guys win and all this stuff that we were programmed as kids. And it worked in corporate America for me, but as I stepped out in the entrepreneurial world, it wasn't working and my way wasn't working. And so when it's not about my way versus your way or all that, I just tell people, like, if you like the results, keep on doing it. If you don't, then something has to change. And so like, okay, yeah, I mean, dude, I know tons of broke, smart people. Smarts has nothing to do. I know a lot of broke CPAs. I know a lot of broke engineers. I know a lot of my 21-year-old is a software engineer. And I'm like, the software has to get upgraded, right? If it's going to go to the next level. And so this dude had to do a massive upgrade because my software was... Do you remember compact computers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was right. Compact was the deal, right? Yeah. yeah. I was running around with a compact operating system. I'm going to get my terms screwed up, but I was I had a compact operating systems and the Windows 12 or whatever wasn't coinciding or whatever. I'm getting hardware, software, or whatever. But I had to, yeah, I had to upgrade. I had to upgrade my thinking if I want to get a better life. We've gone through get out of your own way and then making this shift. The next pillar that you had was really around relationships. And I'm interested in what you think is the most important thing about managing relationships that people don't do. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about on it where it's like, what am I focused on? And that other individual is once again, it's so easy to like our brains familiar with judging other people for what they're not. It takes work to see people the way they want to be seen that happens, the more you improve the way you see yourself. I think that's pretty important that you said it takes work to see people the way they want to be seen. Dive into that a little bit. What do you mean by that? And then how do we see people the way they want to be seen or understand the way they want to be seen? Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. One is just once again, understanding that judging others and judging ourselves is the Number one way we stay stuck, it's judgment is public enemy number one, Shirzad Shamin, once again. It just is. And so as I was beginning to do the work and just going, okay, if I want to have a better life and to have a better life, it takes energy, right? And for me, it's not time management. I'm a planner. It's energy management. 
So I was watching all my energy leaks that were happening. I'm 51. My energy is better at 51 than it was at 41. And maybe I'm in a little bit better shape, but the mental resistance has been eliminated. And nothing sucks your energy more than judging others and judging yourself. And my judgment project is it's just infinite. So I just started becoming aware of when I judged. And it was that person's walking down the hall and I'm like, they're that, they're this. Like, it's insane. The chatter in your mind. And one of my major goals, and it's a forever game, it's an infinite game, but I'm way better. I wanted a quiet mind. I wanted a peaceful mind. And so I had to start becoming aware of when I was judging others and break the pattern. Right. So instead of seeing that person and going, well, they're this. Now it's like, okay, mentally bless you. Right. Love to you. Like you got a bunch of engineers, like, what is this guy talking about? We arrived as perfect little babies. We didn't judge anything. We were just perfect babies that deserve to be loved and have great lives and be taken care of. Well, personal growth and development is about unlayering all the garbage that gets piled on. And so and the other thing I recognize is the things I don't like in others is something I don't like about myself. And so projection became a tool for me to go, huh, interesting. I don't like that in that person. Well, let me journal on that. There's something about me. So the awareness of judging, not trying to fix it. All right, if you got a bunch of left brain people on here, it is the awareness of it. And it's the awareness of going, well, that's not just doesn't serve me. And you don't judge yourself for judging. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, Don't beat yourself up. It's just curious. And so it'll come up. I still do it way less than I used to. I'm a Christian guy. I'll cite a scripture to break the pattern. Or if you're not, it's just some affirmation or whatever. But I wanted to start breaking the judgment pattern because it was such a massive energy leak. And then I think the most important topic in that relationship pillar is forgiveness. And I know that it's one of the reasons why I wrote this book, because I do a lot of keynote speaking and the commitment I've made for many years is I will always end with teaching that, but telling stories of how forgiveness has transformed my life. And when I come off the stage, Matt, I feel like I delivered a lot of content. I feel like I'd hit a home run or whatever, and I feel good about myself and my ego is probably propping me up at an all-time high, right? And people will be lined up wanting to talk to me and all they want to talk about is the forgiveness piece. They are like, you're telling me that I have to forgive fill in the blank. Don't you understand what they did to me? Don't you understand how horrible they are? It's unbelievable. And I got it because my coach said, if you don't do it, you're going to be a miserable SOB the rest of your life. So forgive your ex-wife, the project he gave me and dude, holy crap, man, transform my world. Well, just the idea of energy management. I mean, that sounds mentally taxing to me. And I wasn't in your shoes of having to carry that resentment around. And I think for most people out there that are listening to this, I want to differentiate time management and energy management. I get energy from doing certain levels of activity where other activities are energy drainers. And to your point, I never even thought about the idea of judgment being an energy drainer. Oh, I wish I could fix this. Oh, I wish they would have done this differently and things like that. 
And to stop that, what you could do is just have a pattern recognition. If you see yourself doing this, insert another pattern. Yours was scripture. Somebody else's could be transferring a rubber band from one arm to another or transferring a ring, something to break the pattern so you don't fall into that loop of judging. Yeah, it can be physical for sure. Yeah, love it. So the fourth pillar is really developing a game plan. So we've gotten out of our own way. We've made the shift. We're starting to manage our relationships better. Now we need to come up with a game plan. And in this section, I highlighted the idea of something is a project. It's not a problem. So talk to us about what is a project versus a problem. Yeah, I wrote the book and I want to emphasize like there's somewhat of an order, but I mean, I had to write it in an order, right? And I think one of the mistakes people can make, especially if you're into personal growth and development is I'm going to do a bunch of work and fix myself. Then I'm going to execute my plan and you'll be waiting your whole life. And so if I had to maybe do it in a different order, but I had to do it in the order I did just because of the way the story plays out, but it's the awareness that you're in your own way. And it's, you must shift, but part of shifting is what do I really want and why? And getting clear on that, right? You got to know where your point A is and where your point B is and all that, right? And you got to pull up anchor and leave dock, whether you're ready or not, because the captain's going to say, a captain of a sailboat's going to be like, okay, here's our A to B, but we need to get focused on our first waypoint of many waypoints. And there's wind and we need to adjust the sails and all that. So so part of it is, yeah, you're stuck. I was stuck. You needed to shift. But my back was so far against the wall that I had to take action whether I was ready or not. Right. And clarity only comes from action. You got to leave the dock and adjust the sails. Couldn't map it out. So that's important. But my coach said when we're using money, but he said, you don't have a money problem. You have a money project. And that came out of Spiritual Economics, Eric Butterworth, phenomenal book. We view problems as, oh my God, only a miracle can save me. Like we play victim when we're in problems, but projects are different. We're going to do the work. We're going to face obstacles, but you know what? The problem might not ever get solved. The project will get finished. It's just a total mentality shift. We just view problems and projects totally different. And so when you say you don't have a money problem, you have a money project. I was like, that's interesting. He's like, you got to work on your program, right? You got to do some how-tos and get the budgeting and make some small changes and, and do that. He's like, you just stay on the project, right? Communicate with your wife, all these things that we had to do. But he's like, but eventually you'll finish the project. And it just, once again, gave me different energy. And energy's everything, right? It transformed my world. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is this idea of the vocabulary you use matters, right? So project and problem can shift our vocabulary a little bit. Something is happening to me. It's happening for me or different ways that we can change the vocabulary that we use to talk to ourselves to get us going in a better direction. Well, yeah, that's part of the book too, is I had to get mindful. It's Shad Hemstetter, right? What do I say when I talk to myself, right? Like I had to get mindful, it's called metacognition. It's the capacity to think about what I think about. And so I had to become very aware of what I was thinking about. And once again, what am I thinking about? What must this be creating? But also, I mean, you know this, Matt, when you verbalize something, it's like 45 to 50 times more powerful than just a thought. Yep. And so I limited the word, but try, can't out of my vocabulary. My new newsletter I'm put out once a week. It's called Thank God It's Monday. 
because I started Mondays with going Mondays suck. I hate Mondays. I communicated that. Yeah. I found what I was looking for. You changed it into Monday as an opportunity. Yeah. Mondays are always awesome. And we're shooting this on a Monday. I've had a rocking Monday so far. And Mondays have always pretty much been awesome for the decade plus since I've been telling myself that. So what you verbalize is infinitely powerful. So you got to be mindful. Yeah. Well, the last pillar you talk about is this idea of the dream and knowing what you want. And I feel like we were saving the gold for the last one here because knowing what you want is probably the hardest part and having clarity on what you want is probably the hardest part of any journey. How do you help people understand and know what they want? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been blessed to have like world-class mentoring, like just, I mean, unbelievable people in my life. And I'd sit through trainings and all the top players would say the same thing. You got to know what you want. You got to know your why. It's like one of the most beat up topics in personal growth and development. And I did what most people do. I would write down, oh, I got to know what I want. Yeah. Okay. I got to get to that. Okay. I'd write notes and then I'd close my notebook and then go back out in crazy busy world and get woo busy. And I'd sit back in a training and I'd get the same. Oh, hey, you got to know what you, oh God, note to myself, note to myself. And then I was fortunate to be in a training in New York with top leaders of our company. And we were talking about our business systems and the business how-tos and all these things. And one of the main speakers showed up late. He walks in and I look in the back of the room and he's just shaking his head. His arms are crossed because we're doing the, we're talking about the sausage making, Matt. We're talking about the how-tos of it all. And then he stepped up and he interrupted the meeting. He's like, what are you talking about? Why are you wasting time talking about this? He's like, your challenge is, he's speaking to 50 of us, you don't know what you want and you don't know why you want it. He's like, since I've been here in this company, I've always known it. I've always known why I could articulate it in under 45 seconds with absolute conviction that's going to happen. And it's why I'm crushing you. And he is. Right? I mean, I'm in an entrepreneurial business. He's killing it. And my wife was with me. I'm like, okay, done. So we went up to our hotel room and we scheduled the time. And I'm like, we're not leaving until we're clear on what we want. And then we spent an hour going, why? So we set a financial goal. And I said, why? Why does that matter? Why? And it all came back to everything we do in life. We want to obtain a feeling. We wanted financial relief. That is what we wanted, like oxygen. But it took an hour or so, Matt, to realize that. And then we got clear. So now we had the goal, which was the Ferrari of a certain net worth that we wanted to hit. But the gas for the Ferrari were the reasons, right? Don't want to fight with my wife ever getting around money. I want to see my kids who live, I'm in Colorado, they're in Atlanta. I want to see them whenever I want. I want to teach this stuff. I want to impact people. It's always tied back to people. It's never stuff. But we had a material goal we're going for, but it was the reasons and the people are going to get blessed in the process is the juice, which is why I wrote the book and have lost zero enthusiasm on this project over the last 15 months. So basically what I'm hearing is knowing what you want and then just keep asking yourself why until you get to the answer. Yeah. And most often people, they don't want to step up because they want to stay in comfort. 
they don't want to say what they want because they don't want to be held accountable to it. So it's a cop out. I don't know why. No, BS. You know why? Well, I don't know why. Okay, write down everything that you don't want because that's where you focus. That's where I tell people. I'm like, plenty what you don't want. So let's write down that list. And they write it down. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Okay, let's write the opposite that's more empowering. And let's get clear and get your reasons. But yeah, I don't know what I want. I don't know why. Total freaking cop out. And you must spend the time to do the hardest working on the planet, which is thinking. Pad a paper, pen, your ego will jack with you for 10 or 15 minutes. But once it starts flowing, brother, you know it, right? You start entering that subconscious. That's a reservoir of gold and amazing things can come out of you when you actually schedule the time to think. Yeah. You're most deadly when you sit in a room uninterrupted with a pen and paper. That's when you'll really find out what you really want and why you want it. Amen. Love it. Well, Chris, I always love having you on the show. You're our first repeat guest because you bring so much value and you help me really think about my subconscious as we're having these conversations. I've taken a bunch of notes on some things that I want to go ask myself. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about you or get a copy of Think and Grow You, where's the best place we could point them? Yeah. So my website, chrisfelton.me is where you'll find the book pre-sales start February 1st. So we've got a pre-sale period that's about six or seven weeks long. And with that, they get a bunch of cool bonuses. They'll get the PDF version of the book, as well as some other cool things, cool gifts, bundled package of bonuses there. And then they'll get on my weekly distribution list of just value throwing out, just stuff that helps me. I already got like the next 30 concepts written out. Super excited to share that. That's just different stuff that's not necessarily in the book. My launch is March 25th. And so that's when the books will be ready to roll. And if you're in Denver, Colorado, my launch is noon to four on March 25th in the Denver Tech Center area. But you'll get the details from my email. But yeah, that's how you track it down. Awesome. Well, thank God it's Monday. And thank you for coming on the show, Chris. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.